Shitfire up a cat's ass. Welcome to episode 31 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. My name's Jerry and I'm with Tracy. Well, hello everybody. I didn't know that's where he was going with that entry. Well, that's okay. You got to start fresh. Keep everybody on their toes. That's what I say. <laughs> I guess so. So we're going to do, um, we're going to start off tonight with some shout outs because we've had some very cool things happen this week. Of course, we're using our new mic. We just, uh, thanks to your wonderful donations out there, we just ordered a new uh, mixer so we can start using a two mic system. So it should all sound way better next week. Thank you guys for that. That's really amazing. Yeah, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we don't typically give out the names of the people who do, do donations. We like to keep that private. We always give the thank yous to them in private, but we don't always announce those. But let's uh, talk to about a couple people that have really reached out to us on our Facebook page and Twitter and helped out a lot this week. Uh, so uh, Julie Gilder from the UK. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Paul Mellish, also from the UK. Awesome. I hope I don't screw your name up because I've talked to you a few times, but I didn't ask the proper pronunciation. Kenneth Wolthius. Wolthius from texas cool name and, cool name and kenneth actually has gotten like four co-workers to actually listen to the show oh kenneth thank you so much you rock uh david black i'm not sure where david is but uh, he's on our facebook page he'll know it's him uh christy bennett from wyoming thanks a lot thank you danielle danielle williams she's from michigan actually detroit she gave us a cool idea for a show about a mental hospital up there and uh the same day that she gave us that i got uh, talked to by some people on Twitter that were Detroit ghost hunters. Oh, so we're cool. actually going to do a show and invite them guys on about this location in the coming uh, weeks. Good. Can't wait for that. Julianne Cole from Australia. And Julianne actually reached out to us and uh, said partially because of our show and what we mentioned about doing stuff around the world, she has started her own podcast Gosh. that she's just getting ready to get started. And Good once, job. once we get all that done uh, and she gets going on that thing, we'll help her uh, help get it started like we do everybody else. And then we've got a couple of uh, Swedish young ladies. It just always amazes me that, that we get people from all over the world. And, and now I've got these two young ladies, uh, Emily Lundquist and uh, Heidi Manti or Monty. I hope I'm not screwing it up. I hope it's Heidi. Heidi, Heidi Manti. From Sweden. So thank you. Thanks all of you so, so much. Love you guys. All of your support. I want to meet all of you guys. I think we should meet in person. But we need all of you to get plane tickets here. Because it would be too expensive for us to travel to every one of you. So Man, that would be so awesome. We should all get together. We should all, like, meet in somewhere. I don't know where. But meet in Sweden? Meet in, <laughs> meet in Sweden. I didn't mean, mean to rhyme there, so. You're, you're extra talkative tonight. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> well, let's let's jump into this because we have some very cool stuff going on. Let's tell, tell you what we got going on. First of all, we've got the Gray Man of Polly's Island. And no, it's not the same Polly as us. It's spelled different. But, but it's cool, though. Yep, still cool. We're going to tell you a little bit about that. 
And then we've got the Overton Bridge in Scotland. I uh, did tell y'all we were going to start trying to do some stories of, of around the world, and we've got some Scottish listeners and some British listeners, and, uh, you know, we're going to start doing these every week. So that's the one that we got this week on tap from uh, around the world. Then we have a very cool interview with Jake and Sam from Just a Story Podcast. A lot of you probably already listened to that. They do Urban Legends. They have a very lengthy podcast. It's about two and a half hours long, sometimes a little longer than that, but they do so much research. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, you will be amazed at how much detail is in this podcast. So they no, cover. kind of makes me feel bad. Yeah, they cover <laughs> every angle that you could possibly do. And uh, so we got to talk with them. So we got a little interview we'll throw on that at the end of the show. Very, but, very nice people. Yeah, they were awesome people and uh, husband-wife team just like us. And if you want to check out a new show that you haven't heard yet, check out Just the Story Podcast. I think you guys will uh, find them very entertaining. So let's jump right into our story, The Gray Man of Polly's Island. And Tracy, you actually kind of fell in love with this story. I did, because I honestly didn't know where this story was going to go. I've never heard of it. But um, as we get into the story, we find out that this gray man is actually pretty dang awesome. Almost an angel, I guess you could call him, um, because he... uh, he really does good things, so once we get into the story, you'll help, you'll um, hear about that. Okay, so let's talk about Polly's Island, first of all. Now, Polly's Island, really, you know, it's been there, but it started becoming habitated in the, uh, is that a word, or is it habited? Inhabited. Let's say inhabited, since that's the actual habitated. word, and, I, and I'll try not to be Webster and make up my own dictionary. But in, in the 1800s, it started becoming inhabited. Uh, it's 70 miles south of Charleston, uh, South Carolina, obviously. And like I said, it started, uh, the gray man whole thing started back in the early 1800s. And we're going to kind of give you some background on the island itself and where all this came from. So let's talk about a little more about the island. It's a barrier island, which basically means that it's an island that kind of runs along the shoreline. And then it's just got a little bit of water in between the mainland of South Carolina and this island. But because of that, they are the first to get hit with the storms, you know, so they get hit the hardest, even more than the mainland does, because there's nothing to stop it. At least by the time it's made it to the mainland, it's already had to go through this island and the buildings and everything that was there. So what I want to do before we go any further on telling you about how the gray man came to be and and how the legend started, I want to tell you a very cool story that will lead into that. So first of all, back let's go back to October of 1954. We've got a newlywed couple that it's their first night on the island. It's their honeymoon. 5 a.m. They get a knock on the door. Right now. It's the off season because it's October, so there's no reason in the world why anybody should be knocking on their door, especially at 5 a.m. in the morning. So the the husband gets up, he goes downstairs, he opens the door, and there's this, just a man just standing there. He's got crumpled gray clothes on, he's got a gray hat, and the hat's tilted down so you really can't make out his face. He said you could smell the salt off coming off of his body, like the sea salt. And then he just disappeared. So the guy runs upstairs, he grabs his, his bride, and he says, hey, let's start packing, we gotta get the hell out of here. Wow. They leave the island. The next day, Hurricane Hazel hit the island. Now, keep in mind, this is 1954, so they don't have all the technology that they've got today to be able to see. You know, they didn't have the weather satellites and all that stuff. So they've got 
some technology and they could kind of tell, you know, that, that when they thought it was going to hit landfall, but it, it actually did something tricky. They didn't think it was going to hit land when it did. It kind of came about a day early. So it hits 140 mile an hour winds, storm surges at 18 feet. It decimated the whole island. Out of all the storms to hit, that was actually the strongest storm that had ever hit South Carolina. Dang. It took it took a lot of lives. A lot of people died mm-hmm. during that storm, except for this couple. And they credit the gray man for actually saving their life because when they saw him, they packed and left. They took that as a sign. Now, why would they take that as a sign? Why was he? Why would he even think that? Because it's been. You know, the gray man's been seen before hurricanes and major storms since 1822. Hmm. And, you know, so this is the, the lore that was already out there. So a lot of people in that in that area, especially on that island, they already knew about this. So that's the sign. If you see the gray man, there's something tragic storm-wise getting ready to happen. Um, you know, Pauly's Island, for the just for the uh, the record of it, is the oldest seaside resort in America. So it's been there for a long time. But the uh, the origins of, of Polly's Island go back to the early 1800s. You know, right there in Georgetown County, which is the uh, the part of South Carolina right across from the island, it was the richest county in America at the time. There was 150 rice plantations. But if you know anything about rice, they grow in rice paddies, so it's loaded with water. It's kind of like swampy, marshy area. And... In the summer months, all these people were getting really sick because of all the the water would become stagnant. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, stagnant water is a breeding ground for mosquitoes. For mosquitoes, yeah. And mosquitoes brought malaria. Oh, gosh. And with the malaria, it was causing people to get sick, and, and they didn't know what to do about it. So what they eventually figured out is that these wealthy plantation owners would – gather up a bunch of belongings to be able to leave for five or six months, they would move over to the island. The island had breezes that were blowing in, and, and the breezes blowing in it kept it a little bit windy. And this kept the mosquitoes at bay, so they didn't have to worry about it most of the day. So there was no mosquito problem there like there was across. So the But wait, though, did the people at the island then, did they know what was causing their sickness? Or yeah, they, they knew. Oh, they, just, they knew it was the mosquitoes. Oh, they just didn't know what to do about it. Yeah, but there was no roads or anything on the island. So what they would have to do is gather up enough belongings and, and uh, food and stuff to, mm-hmm. to last for five or six months and put it on a boat and bring it over there. So it was, you know, it was kind of a tedious chore well, just to get over there. So let's go back to that time because here's here's where the legend comes from. So you got this young lady. She's got a fiancé that's in Great Britain. She hasn't seen him in months, and he's coming back. You know, so they're on the island now where they would normally be in South Carolina, but they're on the island because it's the summer months. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get me some loving tonight. Yeah, boom, chicka bow wow. Woo-hoo. So he, his his ship docks. He sees his family and everything. And then he decides that he's going to go see her. Let's set the wedding date and all this. And mm-hmm. he's excited. It's him and his manservant. And, they're he, you know, they're both on the horses. Well, the problem is he's in a hurry to get to her because he probably ain't had none in a while. So no, it's just because he's in love. It ain't because he ain't had none. Okay. I'm pretty sure men back then were the same as today. <laughs> but he gets, you know, he's on his horse. He's trying to save some time. 
And because this thing probably wasn't very fast. I mean, it's one horse, so what was it? One horsepower, I would think. Well, that's not very fast at all. So it's not like a Mustang by any means. Not, not at all. So he's trying to hurry up and get to her, and he decides he's going to cut through the marsh area, which was a mistake because here in this area, they have something called pluff mud. And if you're thinking in your head, what the hell could pluff mud be? Because that actually sounds fun. It doesn't sound like something Was it like you. quicksand or something? It's or? something like quicksand, but that's what most people would kind of envision in their head. It's just picture quicksand. Mm-hmm. And what this is, it's a mixture of water and sand that's washed up from the beach mm-hmm. and uh, decaying vegetation. And all this stuff, it looks like you could walk across it, yeah. but in reality... You get stuck in it, and you can't get out. Wow. And oh, no. So then he got stuck? Yeah. He went across it. The horse got stuck. Aww. He got off the horse. Then he got stuck. Uh, his manservant kind of tried to get him out, yeah, but he but couldn't get into it. So right. he's trying to reach sticks and stuff over to pull him out, and uh, he just couldn't make it out, and he drowned. Oh, the poor horsey. So that's that's nice. So the guy dies, and all well, you care about I'm is the horse. I'm sad about him, too, but the poor horse, too. You know, while, well. while we're on that subject, we are in Kentucky, and people here treat horses like they're gods. No doubt. And it brings back a story. Most of you know that I'm a comedian, and I've, I, for what you don't know, is I've pretty much known for doing jokes that are controversial. And uh, we had a, a horse win the Kentucky Derby by the name of Barbaro, what, five, six years ago. And I remember when he first died, and he, that's what happened. He broke his leg, and he ended up dying. Uh, but when he first died, people were sending notes and cards and everything up to him. I mean, like the horse can read, first of all. You mean like to the, head of the statue? Yeah, no, they were sending it to the stable like what, before he died when he broke his leg because it still Aww. took like a month or so before he died. People were sending cards and shit to the horse. Like he's going to be able to read it. Get well soon, Barbaro. I mean, what the, I mean, how stupid is that? But anyway, I remember I did a joke on stage. Because there was two jokes, actually, because in the Derby, there was another horse, and the name was Eight Bells, I remember. And she actually broke her leg and died on the racetrack, if you remember that. Yeah, I do remember. And I I came out and said it was the first horse to ever change its name on the day of the race from Eight Bells to Dead Ringer. (laughs) I got so much hate mail so to speak and in on facebook and what have you but then barbaro i I remember coming out and saying you know everybody was so sad when barbaro died but i said that i was excited because i'm on this transplant list and i was praying that horse was a donor (laughs) are you sure you were never mind (laughs) it's like i said i'm always said i'm hung like a horse it's just my little pony So let's get back to the story at hand. Um, so he gets stuck in his pluff mud. He dies. The servant goes back to the young lady, the fiance. Aww. He had to tell and her? And he had to tell her that the guy died. Aww. And, of course, she was devastated. And um, to try to, you know, to try to keep her sanity, just the only thing she would do every day is just take long walks on the beach. Yeah. But one day she turns around and she sees a guy all in gray. And she starts walking towards him. She's excited. It's it's him. Yeah. But as she gets close to him, her vision just kind of disappears. He just disappears in thin air. Yeah. Quicker than money out of Kanye West's bank account. Whoa. <laughs> That's pretty quick. Uh-huh. Quicker than jewelry off Kim Kardashian. 
No? Too many Kardashian jokes. Yeah, it is. Anyway, so he disappears. She goes home. She tells her mom and her sisters and everybody there that she saw him. And they're like, um, no, I think you're losing it. You're a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I swear I saw him. And then the parents and just said, hey, I think you need to go see a doctor. So they left the island and they went to see a doctor. Well, lo and behold, when they left the storm of 1822, which is to this date one of the top five strongest hurricanes to ever hit, wiped out the entire island. Like everything? Well, it wiped out all the people. But the surprising thing was, and this is going to come into play a little bit later, when they came back to the island, their house was 100% intact. Oh, stop it. Almost everything was gone off of the island. Everybody died who was on the island. Except their house, which was still intact. And so then the family credited seeing the gray man... For, for saving their life, and he saved their property. So now when there's like a major storm coming up, people walk the beaches, and they're hoping to see him, thinking that that is a sign that their property can be saved. So how cool is that? Well, that is very cool. All I'm right. sad everybody else lost their life, though. So let's talk about a couple other stories that's happened to this. Let's talk about Glenn Cox. Now, Glenn Cox was there. <laughs> Let's say Cox. Jerry Polly. <laughs> Let's say Glenn Cox was, was like the island, uh, we'll say, carekeeper, for, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that kind of keeps the island going. Mm-hmm. Now, during the time the Hurricane Floyd was coming through, there was a, an evacuation. The whole town was completely evacuated. He stayed back. He didn't really want to, but he felt like he needed to just to make sure stuff went fine. I don't know what he thought he was going to do. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? Say, boy? <laughs> but I mean, there you don't was, get it. There was no electricity on the island at all, and he's there. Wind's going. You got the rain's going. So he decides he's going to take a little trip around the island. He goes to the north side and then, you know, checks it out, and then he goes to the south side. And, you know, he gets to the south side. He looks up in the Pelican Inn. It's a, it's a, a like a hotel that's been there forever. Mm-hmm. He looks up in the window. There's a yellowish, greenish kind of glow in the window. Now, keep in mind, there's no electricity. Oh, yeah. So what could that possibly be? He then sees an image that looks like a person dressed in gray. Mm-hmm. He gets scared. He floors it. He goes back. The other way, towards the north end of the island, he comes across a section of the road that's about four feet deep of water. Mm-hmm. He starts into it, and he's like, "This, I, there's no way I'm going to get across it. So he turns around, he goes back the other way, and then he was able to go the other end, the south end of the island, and it was able to get off the island and get offshore, so he was fine. Wow. But he credits the fact that, you know, of course, you know, there was all kinds of damage there through Hurricane uh, uh, Floyd, 57 deaths. Mm. Now, none of the deaths were from the island because everybody backed up. But there's 57 deaths and $4.5 billion worth of damage mm-hmm. from Hurricane Floyd. And he credits him being able to get off that island from seeing because the gray man. Because he saw the gray man. Right. That's so amazing because, I don't know, I, just, I think it's just weird that this gray man's just like walking along. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Well, I guess that's what he thought his purpose was, I guess. Right. So that that's going to bring us back to the this last story that's kind of cool. Now, we go to September 1989, Hurricane Hugo. Now, everybody remembers Hurricane mm-hmm. Hugo yeah. was just absolutely horrible. But we're going to talk about a story about Jim and Carla Moore who live on the island. Now, 
they were especially worried when this hurricane was was announced that it was going to hit, and it was definite it was going to hit. It was just a matter of how bad it was going to be. But they were concerned even more because just weeks prior, the insurance company had canceled their insurance. They wanted Mr. Moore to fix a roof because they said it was a leaky roof. Mm-hmm. He says that it wasn't leaking, so he wasn't going to fix it, and they canceled his insurance. And now he's thinking, you know, the shit creek without a paddle oh, because yeah, this hurricane's going to come. Yeah. So they decided, you know, they used to walk on the beach every day. They were an older couple, had been there forever. They go walking on the beach and they look over and there's another guy on the beach. He's dressed in gray. They think nothing of it. They're walking closer to him. They get ready to say something to him and he just disappeared. Nope. Just, and they don't think nothing of it because keep in mind, the gray man has appeared to somebody before every major storm. Yeah. And they take a lot of solace. They know they're going to get hit with these storms, but they take a lot of solace in knowing that they get a warning. Mm-hmm. Now, Hurricane Hugo comes. It hits. It tears everything up. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. And then sure. even in the paper, they were saying, you know, the, the gray man let them down. Nobody saw the gray man. Was was it because there's so much technology there that he feels like, you know, now they can tell all these storms are coming? He's not needed. Is it just, he's just not needed. Well, after they they come back, the uh, the Moors come back to the island, and it's it's just ten times worse than anybody ever thought. The island was just in shambles. Houses were nowhere near where they were supposed to be. Everything was sticks. But then they get to their house, and guess what? Don't tell me everything was good. It's not touched. It's 100% intact. It's got chairs out on the front porch that are still there. They go inside. There's no water damage, nothing inside. All the windows are intact. They've even got post-it notes that were stuck to the refrigerator that's still on the refrigerator. So I mean, there was how no is that wind. even possible? Well, if you believe in, in the legend, you know, at that time, the, the mom reached over and just kind of leaned over to the daughter and said, you know, I think we saw the gray man. And that's that's what his history is, is if you see him, your house is protected. That's why now if there's storms, people walk the beach hoping to see him mm-hmm. because if they see him, they feel like that they don't have to worry about their property. So but did he do that? I mean, did he? was that for everybody or just maybe the good people? I don't know. I have I no wonder. clue. Maybe he's just there to protect people who are in situations like them who had their insurance canceled. Aww. You know, everybody else, if they had insurance, then yeah. their stuff was going to be replaced. I like him. I'd like to meet him. But But Hurricane Hugo was the worst storm since Hurricane Hazel. It had gusts of 175 miles per hour and a 21-foot storm surge. Good Lord, how scary is that? But the good news is everybody on the island survived. Nobody died on the island because they evacuated everything. Way to go, gray man. You are the dude. So that is the story we have on the gray man. So what we're going to do now is uh, I want to go ahead and, and do the interview we have with Jake and Sam because I think that's a really good interview. A lot of times we put them at the end, but I want to put it in here. Uh, give them a listen. If you like what you hear, this that's exactly the way they are on their show. Give their show a listen. It's just a story podcast. And like I said, we like to help out our fellow podcasters. So let me uh, introduce you guys to Jake and Sam, and you guys are going to love this. Right after the interview, we're going to talk about Overton Bridge, and this is a story you're going to want to hear. So we'll see you in a sec. All right, guys. Welcome back to uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories. We've got some special guests on the line here. We've got Jake and Sam from Just a Story Podcast. Welcome aboard, guys. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hello. Hey. 
I want to thank you guys for joining us. I'd imagine that a lot of our listeners listen to your show because you've got a very popular uh, broadcast out there. And I wanted a chance to, what I like to do when I interview podcast hosts is I like to be able to present a different side than what what the uh, listeners usually get from the show so they can meet the people behind the mic, so to speak. It's going to be a little tougher with you guys because... You guys do a fairly long show, and uh, I think you're pretty open about who you are. So it's uh... that we are. That we are. <laughs> so let's do this, Jake. Sam, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your show for maybe the listeners who haven't heard it, and a, a little background on why you started the show. Our podcast is called Just a Story, the Urban Legend Podcast, and we choose a different urban legend each week and sort of explore not only the history of the legend, but sort of some of the social factors or cultural moments that keep it around, sort of the cultural pull that keeps it in circulation. And we try to take it in a lot of different directions and see how deep we can get into anything you ever hear at the coffee shop. Yeah, and so we, we like to use the legend as kind of a jumping off point for to talk about anything and everything. And so sometimes we'll use it to talk about the history behind it and why we tell this story. Or we'll use it to talk about real-life incidents related to it. Are the sociological or psychological elements around it? And, you know, one thing we always say is people do kind of say we're like a scary show. Yeah, and we we forget we're scary or we're supposed to be scary. (laughs) Um, We just, like, I don't know, we did Bigfoot recently. And, um... Somebody commented on Twitter, wow, you went so deep with that one when you brought it back up. I forgot, had forgotten it was about Bigfoot. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, we do do that a <laughs> bit there because um, that's a three-hour episode. And we end up talking about a trial in the 1920s for about half of it. And, but, but we say, like, it is, in a way, has a dark side because we look at, use these legends to look at kind of the darker side of humanity. And, the, and I think that the stories stand in place of the things that we don't like to say about ourselves. And so that is a little creepy and a little scary. And I guess if you are not saturated in it, like we are doing the research and putting the episodes together, it is a little jarring. Um, but we started it uh, over a year ago. It was a year in November. And we were looking for something to collaborate on. We've always enjoyed actually working together um, on any kind of project. And we had just found ourselves with extra time because Jacob had just finished residency for medical school and was like, what do I do when I don't have to work all the time? Yeah, I can imagine that's uh, when, you, when you're used to, because how many hours were you doing as a residence? Probably... Like 25 a day. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Wow. Well, that that does bring me to uh, a couple of quick points. First of all, you mentioned the research. Do you guys research together? Do you research separately? And how many hours would you say go into each show? Because you're the one thing I will say about your shows are it's probably the most researched show that I've listened to, and I listen to a lot of them that yeah. that are really good. But you you guys, like you said, you go in depth, and and uh, to do a a two hour to two and a half three hour show is amazing to me because I couldn't imagine coming up with enough material to do that but you guys find a way to fill it yeah it's awesome yeah. thanks so much i know a lot of people are like oh y'all should teach <laughs> oh. <laughs> day, i mean we do have backgrounds in in teaching and in researching so we, we know how to do it but we do both we definitely come together come up with the points we want to hit and we work together on things kind of collaborating but also go off and research big topics on our own and then come back together and kind of figure out what the 
the good points are, the high points, the best way to kind of tell the story in an engaging manner. Yeah, like sometimes I'll go through my notes and I'll just be like, uh, okay, so just say yes or no. Like, and I'll give him points that I've written down, and he's like, okay, yeah, that's not interesting to anyone but you. You have to stop or whatever. <laughs> but um, we do generally, uh, we do an embarrassing amount of research. Um, I listen to audiobooks while I work, and so I don't think of that as counting. But like, the same does graphic design. So she's able, and like web design and stuff, so she's able to like do research while she's doing her other work. Oh, that's good, though. And she it's did- great. I, I feel like we should, Audible should sponsor us as much as I use them. <laughs> but um, I don't know, Jacob, how many hours a week do you think we spend? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it's embarrassing. It's it's bad. Um, I just, like, on an episode we're going to put out recently, I read, oh, like, I read an NSA document that was 300 pages long on, it was like an intelligence report from World War Two, and then I read, like, a 600-page FBI file. <laughs> so like, didn't read it. Well, well, it's a lot of duplicates. It's a lot of duplicates in FBI file, but I went through it. Um, I don't know. I, I get very frustrated if I think there's information out there that I can't get to that I want, so I will I will do it forever until he makes me stop, usually. Well, I guess I need to apologize to you, honey, because I must be slacking a little yeah, tra- bit. Tracy is the exact opposite. <laughs> we sat down to do the show, and she's like, and what's the show on this week? <laughs> So that's how, I've done podcasts like that. Like I do a comic book podcast with a few of my friends, and that's more how I approach that one. Oh my so gosh! It's a very valid approach. Oh my gosh, that's terrible on my part. <laughs> well, that brings up the the second question that that parlays into this is. You guys getting to work on this together, do you feel like this has added uh, to your relationship, maybe another dimension, being able to work on this together? Has, have you seen a change at all in, in your closeness? Uh, I know we have since we've started doing this together because there really wasn't a whole lot we did together outside of just the normal husband-wife, you know, dating, going out to movies and stuff. But this is the first time we've been able to work on projects together, and it's made a difference. We always joke that we started the podcast because it was cheaper than marriage counseling. And for us, it really has been a huge positive influence. We really enjoy having something to talk about besides, you know, we need milk or, you know, I think the little one has a fever or whatever. It's, you know, it's just so nice to be able to have those conversations that go in really interesting, weird, out of the ordinary directions. Mm -hmm. It's probably why the episodes have kind of lengthened and become more and more in depth because we enjoy talking about it and enjoy researching and going in these weird directions that at least makes sense to us. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's amazing. I mean, that you guys, I mean, getting so into what you're doing, you know, and that's what makes it great. So you guys should be very proud of that. Thank you. You're welcome. It's what? also something we can do with the kids. Like we Absolutely. put our kids to bed and then come outside and record or work on a podcast or whatever. Yeah. And so it, it's nice to, you know, not have to get a babysitter to sit around and, Mm-hmm. talk and have a really great conversation mm-hmm. so where do you where do you find time with all the reading and research you do your regular job and then you find time to do all this fantastic art also <laughs> well like i said i do uh multitask with the audible and the and the artwork a lot um and i i don't know <laughs> um thin air 
I, yeah, I've, I'm always, I like to be busy. I'm happier when I'm busy. So it's, I always have some sort of project going on. Even if I don't, I make one up. What about the stories y'all tell? There's, there's literally probably thousands of urban legends out there. And what do you do to uncover this? Do you take listeners' uh, advice on, on certain stories? Do you pretty much just have a catalog of things you want to talk about and just go from there? All of the above. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a list that we started on Evernote when we first started the show um, that we are always adding to anytime we overhear something or, you know, find something that interests us that we're like, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. Like that's, that's probably one idea I push a lot is like, Oh look, there's total, that's an urban legend. That's not true. I probably use a little bit more latitude when I'm keeping that list than Jacob would, but we've really had great suggestions come in from listeners, especially within the last few months. Yeah, we started a we started like a Google uh, phone number, and people can call and leave a voicemail, and we get some extremely entertaining calls. We got that. a wrong number once that was actually really scary, but other than that, it's been fantastic. Oh my gosh! You know, it's funny. I had an aunt that she actually got married off of a wrong number. The uh, oh my gosh, yeah, the, uh, that, that sounds like an urban legend. It does. It does. Do a show on it. This was this was probably. 35 years ago and and uh, he called and it was the wrong number and they just started talking and talking and one thing led to another and that's that's how they met that's crazy <laughs> i love it <laughs> yep it's um, a very neat yeah I, I guess it didn't last so i guess you stop the movie before you get to that that's yeah. right that's right so let me ask you what are some of the, the out of out of the year that you guys have done this what are a couple of the stories that have just really stood out to you, whether it be because you were surprised at, at some of the stuff you uncovered or just some of the outrageousness of some of the stories? What are a couple of stories that maybe stand out to you? Well, we always try to kind of, we have this kind of way we sort our stories to try to mix things up. And we have like stories that are really history, like episodes that are really history based or episodes that are really supernatural or ones that are more kind of sociology. Um, and so there are fun ones from each one. Yes, I, I think that's fair. Um, I had a lot of fun putting together the vampire episode. Um, that was one I really enjoyed. And that was some, one that where we kind of, we also have a category called murdery murder. Because sometimes there's peripheral, per, I can't say that word, peripheral. peripheral? No, I, don't no. Have, I don't have any way of editing that. I've got to sound like I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's a kind of, they're murder adjacent, for lack of a better word, but that's not the main subject. But when we do like a serial killer or like a story of a grisly murder or whatever, that's murdery murder. So that one kind of mixed murdery murder with supernatural and literature. So I really enjoyed it. Um, That one was fun. um, Some of the ones we've done... Like, oh, the Kitty Genovese. Oh, yeah, that was that really was fun. One. That yeah. was one big story. It was the first time we've really done that. And sometimes we'll do things that we think are interesting, and people apparently love them. <laughs> like, we did the story of, what's her name? I'm blanking. Anastasia. Oh, right, yes. And we did that. I was like, oh, we can do that real quick. I just read two books on the Romanovs. So let's do an episode on Anastasia. And it turned into this monster episode where I ended up explaining the history of World War One because I thought it was important that people have that before we go further. <laughs> that, that one turned out really surprisingly well. Oh, great. That's awesome. No, I didn't hear that. Now, Anastasia, that's the stuff they give you when you have surgery, right? Or am I yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I missed the like boat on that one. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear that one myself. Once again, there's your uh, there's your scholar over here not doing her research. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness to her, you guys do have a lot of shows, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's unlike some of the shows where you can spend 20 minutes on each episode and catch up. You got to set aside like six weeks to catch up.
ship on the first seven episodes. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Very true, very true. That's we good, go though. in depth. And, um, yeah, I mean, we kind of worry about the links sometimes, but we just continue to grow. And, I mean, we do try not to go to six hours or anything. But, but I mean, people respond to it well so we just kind of continued on yeah we had a guy tell us that he's assigned one of our episodes as required listening for his college class he's teaching oh my goodness (laughs) it was really awesome well that that is awesome that was an episode we did recently that was like a huge project sometimes our our episodes come together in a few days and sometimes Mm -hmm. just in weeks on them um and that was about the use of ghost imagery in kind of slave times and the urban legends around that and how the KKK used that to kind of build a fear base. Yeah. Wow. So if the NSA is watching my search history, I am doomed. Um, <laughs> because that week I spent, like, or it was a couple of weeks. I spent a couple of weeks reading about nothing but the KKK. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had, like, recipes for children pulled up in my other tab. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta counterbalance that some way. Oh, my gosh. Sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, you know, you have the, the listener base out there that, you know, enjoys that. I mean, I think that's awesome. And, I mean, why not get as much detail as you can about it? I mean, that's what I think. I, I agree with you. It's funny because that's one of the things about our show is, is we try to be detail-oriented. I like to give dates. I like to give names. Mm-hmm. I like to give facts. But we don't hold a candle to what you guys oh do. Oh, my gosh. But, no but way. still, that's one of the things people compliment us on is our, our attention to detail because I think it is important. But uh, I think I would drive myself crazy trying to do as much research as you guys do. Well, you just- we do. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we really, and I think the, great, the part that indicates that we've already driven ourselves crazy is we've convinced ourselves that we like doing it. Yeah, we'll see. But if it's gratifying to you guys, and you know, more power to you. I think it's awesome. I honestly wish I, you know, spent a little bit more time on what I need to be doing. But so I do just, I. I know. But Jerry, <laughs> I, I just rely on Jerry and just, you know, just hop in every now and then and laugh at him or something. But but no, I think it's great. When you've got such an intelligent husband, I mean, you yeah. don't have to do all that work, right? <laughs> That's true. Yes. That's why I tell Sam all the time. She's just so smart. She can do all of it. Yeah, yeah. he does. No. Uh, it's funny though because there is like there. Is is a trust to it it's like okay you're gonna take this part and like you've worked on everything in the episode and you're they're like two parts that you're the other person's responsible for and it's like i swear to god if you didn't do it you know but we've never actually had one come like we're like getting ready to record and we're like i'm not happy with your research or anything like that it's Uh usually been we were pretty good about hammering out what we're going to say and outlining everything before we talk. We don't work from a script. We work from an outline. We do not have a script. Yeah, well, that's yeah, perfect. That's, that's the best way, though. That's the same way we do it. And and But I'm, I'm one of these, uh, I guess, I won't say a perfectionist, but at the same time, I have an expectation and I have a hard time displaying that to somebody. So I'll give her the parts to do and my parts, and then I do her parts, too. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then that way, I, I try to let her do her parts, but if she forgets something, I can always step in and, and add yeah. to something, or she's done the same thing for me, so, <laughs> you know, because I, I like being corrected on, on uh, the microphone, so when I say, oh, this is it, and she's like, uh, no, didn't you read this hat? Oh, okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> that don't happen very often, we, we by the way. We correct each other, and then we edit it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, thank God for edit. <laughs> We just make a joke out of it and go on and say, hey, that's part of the charm of the show. Yeah, we hope anyway. <laughs> if we left in all the charming parts, our episodes would be like eight hours long. Oh, that's so awesome. Heck yeah. We literally have done an hour show and not done one edit. And it's, yeah. not, and it's not because we're perfect by any means. It's just, I don't know. 
That's just, uh, we're probably, we like to pride ourselves on being the least professional podcast out oh, there. Oh, Lord, that's true. <laughs> I think there's a certain amount of authenticity to that. But like I said, we would go, it would be so long if we didn't edit mm-hmm. out. And also, we record outside because we like to be outside. Oh, that's nice. And, and we'd wake our kids up. And we'd wake our kids up. But a lot of times we'll have to stop in the middle of the episode and like let the helicopter pass oh, or let the God. train go by or whatever. So that's, there's a lot of uh, empty time with those cool sound effects. <laughs> Oh, I want to do ours outside. Mm-hmm. Well, on the con, we have, we have coyotes too. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. my gosh. Texas, you know. Oh wow. I was thinking you guys were out east somewhere. I was thinking you were like east coast. I didn't realize you were in Texas. Oh yeah. Oh, you thought Sam's accent was east coast? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, whenever I travel outside of the South, I catch myself like trying not to have as thick of an accent, which is it's not as thick as it was. It, it was. Oh God, no. It was. It was thick. Um, but when we like traveled to Boston once, I noticed that I was like overcorrecting and I had this weird, like, like newscaster. Yeah. Voice. Like it was like a newscaster voice. And I was like, I could not speak to people <laughs> casually. Cause I was like, so self-conscious about it. Uh-huh. Um, I originally thought I wanted to do broadcast journalism and my professor just looked at me and was like, no, <laughs> like, you need to do print. It's <laughs> like your accent's too thick. But, um. Well, I don't so sound like I'm from Louisiana Kentucky, originally, but now we are in the heart of Texas. We're in Austin. Yeah, Tracy's actually from New York. You'd never know it, but uh... <laughs> I figured. Where are y'all from? <laughs> we're uh, we're in Lexington, Kentucky. Go Cats, fellow Southerners. Oh yeah. So I think. I think this has been super fun, and we really appreciate you guys giving us some time and and letting the people see the Jake and Sam that they might not get to see all the time. It's it's fun to see you guys kind of loose and like not that you're all, you're always loose on the show, but it just seems uh, a little more like you're just laid back having fun, and we appreciate oh, that. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. It's, it's no been problem really nice at all. to talk to y'all. Yeah, me too. Why don't you tell the people how they can uh, get in touch with you, how they can send some some ideas, and and the best way to interact with you on social media? Sure. So our website is justastorypodpod.com, and there you'll find links to everything. But then also everything's just a story pod. So email, justastorypod at gmail, and Twitter, same thing, at justastorypod. Um, and all you can find all of our the phone number. What's the Urban Legend Hotline? The Urban Legend Hotline is 512-222-3375. So you can call and leave a random urban legend. And we might base an entire episode on it because we do do that. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for uh, being part of the show. I know our listeners are going to get a big kick out of it. Absolutely. And, and obviously, if they're not listening now, I got a feeling they will be by the time they get through with this interview. Because you guys have come across as completely charming. And I can vouch that that's the way you come across in the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys so much. That is one fun couple. I enjoyed doing that interview. And uh, it was, I think, for everybody listening, that was one of the more fun interviews because we were interacting and all back and forth and cracking jokes. So I had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. Thanks plus, for taking the time out with us. Plus, Tracy doesn't always make it to the interview. So it's one of the few that she actually got to be a part of. So that was kind of cool, too. So we're going to talk about Overton Bridge in Scotland. And Overton Bridge is a bridge that leads to a place called Overton House. There's been known paranormal activity all through that whole area. And um, some of the some of the reasons is it depends on who you talk to, but a lot of people back to old Celtic legend believes that it's a what they call a thin space, which is where uh, I guess you could say spirit and the material worlds kind of you know, are, the, are 
at its closest to overlapping. So maybe that's why some of it are there. But the main reason that this this bridge is known is called the Bridge of Death because as many as 50 dogs in the last 50 years have jumped to their death there. Boo. I don't like this story. So what's strange about that is that there's actually some really weird coincidences. The animals all jumped from the exact same spot between the two parapets, which are like the the two giant columns that hold Mm -hmm. it up. They all jumped from the same two parapets all on the right-hand side of the bridge. Every time this happened, it was a uh, a clunny, a clear, sunny day. (laughs) It might have been clunny. I'm creating more words again. But it was a clear, sunny day when all this happened. Now, even more coincidence, all the dogs have been long-nosed breeds, like collies or labs or other types of retrievers. That's weird. Yeah, so no pugs, nothing like that. So, funny thing is, some of these dogs have actually jumped, lived, came back, and tried to do it again. Get out. So. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's bad enough. So, we're talking about the dogs. That's a bad enough situation. Yeah. But in 1994. Wait, what'd you say? 1994. You said 1994. And we're in a digital age. (laughs) I can be digital if I want to. So in 1994, Kevin Moy, a beautiful sunny day in October, and he decided that he was going to throw his baby off the bridge. (gasps) He just threw it off the bridge. No way. He tried to jump off the bridge. His wife actually grabbed him, kept him from doing it. They took them to the, uh, the Overton house. He tried to slash his wrist there and kill himself. And then they eventually ended up grabbing him. Uh, the police, you know, put him in custody. He stood trial. He was proven to be insane. And, and so he got out of it. But, you know, they said that he suffered from depression for eight years. He contracted, I, this is, I've never heard, I should have looked it up, but myalgic encephalopathy. So I'm not sure exactly what that is, but he thought that he was the Antichrist and his son was Satan. <gasps> That's why he threw his baby? Yep. He thought both were responsible for the Gulf War, and he said that they were going to destroy humanity by creating a virus. That's what he felt like that they were going to do together, oh my and that's gosh. why he was trying to do He said he was actually trying to save the world. I am just blown away with what goes through people's minds. I mean, I just can't imagine that. No? I mean, that poor baby... Never mind. I just want to punch him in the face. I'm just curious if it bounced. I don't know. I wish it would have bounced. I mean, the I baby? know this is mean, but no. You want no. the baby to bounce? No, no, no. But I don't want him. <laughs> I don't want him to die either. I mean, that poor thing didn't have any idea. Well, it's, it's a 50 foot drop idea. Um, oh, <laughs> <you> caught me. <laughs> but nobody knows the reasons. You know why these dogs are just deciding to jump off. There's a couple of different philosophies. You know, first of all, some people think it's paranormal. Uh, second of all, it's scientific. Now, you've got a guy by the name of David Sexton. He says that he thinks the whole reason for this is uh, that some of these dogs have, a, there's a strong smell of mink in the area. And some of the dogs, especially the breeds with the long noses, tend to be more um, agitated by that smell. 
and they can't see when they can see, you know, this thing's like four foot tall, so they can jump over, but they can't see on the other side to see how far of a drop it is. So he seems to think that they just smell mink and they just jump over like they're going after it. What is mink? You know, like weasels, ferrets. Oh, aw. I love ferrets. <laughs> well, they make coats out of minks, though. Oh. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so that's what his philosophy is. Now, there's other people out there that say that there's an audible noise that only canines can hear, and they think that's the reason. That doesn't explain why that would only be the certain type of dog and why they would jump off one side. Of there really, not. there really is no logical explanation. That's crazy. But they've been uh, they put a sign up. Basically saying, it says dangerous bridge, keep canines on a, your dogs on a lead. So, well, well, I mean, even if they do jump, then you're going to hang them. Well, I'm pretty sure you can pull them back over the top, though. Well, that's true, but then you'll probably hang them. That's like them that dog from the Amityville Horror that he used to try to jump over the fence and hang himself, try to commit suicide, remember? Yeah. I would be sad if Ninja did that. I would probably jump after Ninja, and then <laughs> I'd probably die. Oh, that would be a sad day for me. Would it be? Because yeah, of Ninja? No Ninja. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Punk. Um, so we we get through these stories. That's that's our story from Scotland. So we hope some of your some of the British listeners out there uh, got to enjoy hearing something close to them. And there's more British and stuff coming because we're going to do one on uh, Rendersham Forest. You said the British are coming. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little now, late. Now I'm like Paul Revere. You're a little late. Um, but we're going to do one on, on Rendersham Forest, which is the uh, the famous 1980s UFO, which we don't do a whole lot of UFO stuff because I'm just not that fascinated by it. I, I personally believe that UFOs exist, so it's not that thrilling to me. So that's just my thoughts on it. But that story is fascinating, so we're going to do that one here pretty soon. Uh, I do want to read a story because we've been talking about our military. Once again, thanks to all the military out there, no matter which country you represent, but especially the, the USA. Thank you guys for listening. And one of the military guys actually reached out to me. I'm not going to use his name because he said that they prefer that when you're in the military that you not mention their names and branch because they don't want anything they say being um, listed as like the ideas of that branch of the military. So I'm going to let Tracy read this from an anonymous military uh, listener. And thank you so much for the story. We appreciate your service. I'm currently on my first deployment and started listening to your podcast to break the monotony out here. I love your interaction with each other and how you approach the subjects or just talking about something interesting and not acting like an expert. It's paranormal stuff. I don't think anyone can really claim to understand the stuff completely. If you want to do a little bit on military haunting, there is a jet on my base known as Spook 50. The story of exactly what happened to make it haunted seems to be a little unclear, but some crew members have died on it at some point. My co-workers have heard footsteps on top of the aircraft or in the back and looked to see, but nobody was there. To put it into perspective, when you're working nights, it gets pitch black in there, and sometimes there might be someone else working maintenance on the jet that you don't notice at first, but there's nowhere for them to hide. Some people I know won't go out there alone and certainly won't take their time. Potentially getting shot by ISIS, sure, but a ghost making noises is too much for them, I guess. So that's a little creepy. <laughs> you know, but I understand that because, uh, you know, ISIS and stuff, at least most of the time you can see and rationalize that they're real people and you can actually do harm to them. But, I mean, to a ghost, I mean, 
what can you do? Yeah, and especially when it's pitch black, you don't know what's around you or anything. So thank you for sharing that story with us. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And uh, I thank all of you guys for listening. I thank you for uh, spreading the word. And, you know, that's the one thing that I'll ask each of you to do. I'm not a mathematician by any means, but I believe that if every one of you that listens tells one friend or family member and gets them to listen, it would double our listeners. I think my math's right on that. Yeah, I think you're right. That's pretty impressive there, babe. I'm no Euclid, but, you know. Uh, one plus one is two, I'm, yo. I'm putting my uh, my Fairdale uh, High School math to work. But we're, this is to the point of the show where, once again, we thank all of you so much for listening, sharing it. it we go up every, every week as a new record for us, so you guys are awesome. And uh, thank you for the donations we received. Once again, if you do want to support the show, and you can, only if you can. We don't want a penny from you guys if you can't afford it. We just want, you know, that if you enjoy what we do and you like us to hear us get better, like with the new equipment we're getting, that's what we use the money for. But thank you guys so much for when you can. If you want to help out, you can click on the Donate button on our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Or if you want to buy a T-shirt, that helps us also, and then you also get something in return. But we appreciate it either way. And like I said, if you can't, you can't. It ain't no problem. Enjoy the show regardless. Thank you. Okay, that's not going to get us anything except for hate mail. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. (laughs) Next week, next week, I am excited about this show. Henry H. Holmes, the first ever recorded serial killer in the United States. He's the biggest one since Jack the Ripper. That was the first one really ever noted. Then you got Henry H. Holmes. This guy is a whack job. If you ever watched, uh, what is that, um, American Horror Story. If you watched American Horror Story Hotel, the uh, character James March, who was the guy who created the hotel and he had all these weird places in it where he could kill people. This was based off Henry H. Holmes. This is a fascinating story. It's it's going to be uh, one of my favorites, I can tell you. Now, it's a little more on the true crime than it is the paranormal, but it's just a creepy enough story where you just got to trust us. You'll like this as much as the other stuff. So we love you guys, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week, and remember, love one another. They would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week to this locality to have a heaping helping of their hospitality. Hillbilly, that is. Y'all come back now. Here.